Start the new year in a new ride from the Norm Reed Superstore. Right now is the best time to get the super prices you deserve. Shop our super selection of vehicles at 11 convenient locations. From West Covina to the Cerritos Auto Square, Huntington Beach to the Irvine Auto Center, Vista and San Diego. You're never far from a Norm Reed Superstore. Shop America's most popular brands. Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, Genesis, Volkswagen, Toyota, and Honda. We have all your favorite new models in stock for the new year. Looking to trade? We want to buy your vehicle. Any make, any model, any year. Plus, enjoy total peace of mind with your purchase thanks to our exclusive price protection guarantee. If you can find the same new vehicle for less within five days, Norm Reeves will pay you the difference or buy your vehicle back. It's that simple. Take a test drive today at the Norm Reeves Superstore location closest to you, like the number one Honda retail dealer in the world in the Cerritos Auto Square. Or shop online anytime at normreeves.com. As for Global Honda, new vehicle retail sales 2022. Well, I'm getting okay. All right. to you from Nashville, Tennessee. This is Parareality Radio. Well, it's Monday, April the 1st, 2013. And no, this is not an April Fool's Day joke. This is actually happening tonight. We're doing live shows here. I'm Sandman, and I'm going to be your host for the next two hours on this special episode of Parareality Radio. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for tuning in this evening. My Special guest on tonight's show is Mr. Scott Walter. Mr. Scott F. Walter is a Minnesota geologist and author best known for his theories and books about the Kensington Runestone. Mr. Walter was hired in uh, 2000 by the Runestone Museum to conduct a forensic geological investigation of the artifact. The Kensington Stone was brought to his company, American Petrographic Services, in St. Paul for the investigation. And using both transmitted and reflected light microscopy, scanning electron microscopy, and elemental analysis, he and his staff found mica degradation on the man-made surfaces. He then reported that his investigation clearly indicated the inscription had weathered at least 200 years after carving. Mr. Walter became intrigued with the Kensington Stone and based on his geological findings and additional research, has become a dedicated supporter of its authenticity. He wrote a book in 2009 called The Hooked X, and in this book he claims that the stone was made by the Knights Templar in 1362, 50 years after the dissolution of the Knights Templar. 
He also claims that Columbus was a member of the Knights of Christ order and had a map used to find his way around the West Indies in 1492. While working his day job as a world-renowned forensic geologist and the president of the Minnesota-based American Petrographic Services, Scott Walter began developing a new science called, and I'm going to try and pronounce this, forgive me if I slaughter this, Scott, Archaeopetrography, <laughs> a scientific uh, process. I, w I was close, yeah. This is a scientific process used to date and understand the origins and mysterious stone artifacts and sites. The first artifact that he studied using this new science was the Kensington Rube Stone, which he believes is an authentic pre-Columbian land claim that was carved here in America by none other than the aforementioned Knights Templar. And interestingly enough, the Kensington Runestone was a subject of a documentary special called Holy Grail in America that aired on the History Channel back in 2009. Now, in his new series on the History 2 channel, or H2 for short, called America Unearthed, Scott Walter has the chance to use forensic geology and archaeopetrography to explore many... Yeah, I, was, I got it better that time. He has this. He has the ability now to to use this medium to explore many other untold stories in American history, changing everything we think we know about our past. Everybody, I'm really excited to introduce Scott. You just heard me talking to him here. This is Scott Walter uh, from History Two H Two America Unearthed. Scott, welcome to Parareality Reality Radio. Appreciate you being on the show this evening. Hey, thanks so much, Sean, and uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, Archaeopetrography, you did it just yeah, fine. <laughs> well, the first one, not maybe not so good. The, the second one was uh, a little closer, I think. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So is that, is that something that you, uh, is, is this something you, I guess, could take credit for inventing yourself? Um, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just came up with that one day. I thought, you know, all these things that we're looking at that are, uh, archaeology uh, based, I guess you would say. We're looking mm -hmm. at, um, you know, mysterious artifacts and sites. Many of them we suspect are pre-Columbian. Many of them are pre-Columbian. But even if they're not, we're still using the same type of science to determine things like the relative age of these man-made surfaces, whether it's an inscription, whether it's a petroglyph, whether it's, you know, cut stone. And um, so that's basically, you know, what we're doing. And it, uh, it's worked amazingly well in some cases and, you know, not so well in others. But, you know, every situation we run into, like I, I do in my regular job, you have to examine and consider on a case-by-case -case basis. So, um, But it's, it's really, uh, really worked out well, and I thought that was a, an appropriate name for it. Well, um, sounds uh, sounds really complicated <laughs> to... to uh... Uh, of a process, uh, not long, not only is it hard to say, but it, it really sounds like it's it's a lot of uh, uh, scientific processes that that all like come together into like this one big ball of, uh, I guess, science for lack of a better word. Well, uh, I guess I guess I would say that the uh, uh, the variety of things that we can do scientifically is pretty vast, but it really depends on. Um, you know, the rock, the scenario, um, what the situation is, what are the questions we're trying to answer. In some cases, we can do an awful lot, as, as was the case of the Kensington Runestone, but in some cases, 
we can't do much. And it depends on, well, for example, the rock type makes a huge difference on, you know, what are some of the things that we could do to try to answer some of these questions. Um, and just like in archaeology, one of the things that's critical for me to understand is provenance. What is the history of this artifact? Or where has it been? Has it been in a weathering environment? Has it been in a museum? Was it buried? Was it, you know, exposed to the elements? Um, what's the climate? Where, yeah. where are we talking about? Is it wet? Is it dry? I mean, all these things make a difference in what the weathering profile might be if it's a rock that lends itself to weathering, and, and some don't. So um, it, it is complicated, but we start usually with a simple process of doing a kind of a general overall examination, look at, looking at it on a whole basis, and then as we go through it, uh, we start to see things that say, okay, well, because of this, we might want to try this and this, or because of that, we'll try that and that. And um, That's just the same way we go about our investigations with concrete, rock, or anything else. Well, um, and I guess this is um, what you use to do your investigations on the uh, on your, on your, your show, America Unearthed. I guess this is Basically. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely what we do. I mean, well, you know, depending on what it is we're investigating and what the questions are, what, what, what is the mystery that we're trying to get some answers to, we'll look at them. And, you know, in some cases, these are things that I've already studied to some degree and mm -hmm. we might try something new. In a couple of cases, we're replicating things that we've already done. But uh, most of the things that you see on the show are ideas that we've come up with to try to shed new light or bring new information to a particular particular mystery. All right. Well, um, we're going to get into all of this stuff, but before we start, I'm going to take a, a second and tell everyone how they can get in touch with us here on the show tonight, just in case anyone has any uh, questions for myself or for Scott. So if you're a regular listener of the show, you know that there are several different ways that you can interact with us here on Parareality Radio. First of all, you can uh, use Yahoo Messenger uh, by getting in touch with us. You can type in my screen name, which is GreyDragon98. That's G-R-E-Y-D-R-A-G-O-N with the number 98 tacked on to the back of that. There's no capitalization, no spaces, underscores, dashes, hyphens, anything like that. Just all GreyDragon98. Uh, if you don't uh, already have me on your, your contact list, you're going to have to type it in under the uh, add a contact or send a message to um, screen on Yahoo Messenger. And once again, that's GrayDragon98. Uh, also, if you just happen to uh, want to call the show, you can call us. We got the phone lines up and running. The studio line number is area code 615-692-1170. That number to call once again is 615 692 1170. You can get us live right here on the show. Now, I know if you're you're listening live, so there's probably, uh, we tested the stream out earlier, and there's about a seven-second delay. So uh, whatever you're listening to is occurred seven seconds in the past by the time you, you hear this. So um, you may actually hear the phone ringing in the background when you call. I just ask that you, if you do call, you turn the volume down on your speakers or mute them entirely while you call uh, the studio line. And that number, once again, is 615-692-1170. And of course, I always have the 
email up and running. You can email a question if you prefer to email. The email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. And for the first time ever, I'm actually on Facebook tonight. So you can post on the wall or send me a message on Facebook. I'm going to try that out and see how many people are able to check it out on Facebook. So uh, now that I've got that out of the way, Scott, sorry to interrupt you. I it takes forever. <laughs> uh, so um, let's get on with this. I got just my mind has been reeling all day with with questions that I want to ask. So um, the the number one thing that keeps popping into my mind uh, is how did you get interested in geology to start off with? Uh, you mean just as a career in general? Yes. Well, you know, I've, I guess I've always had an interest in science and, and uh, the natural world and, you know, how do things, how do things work, you know, as, I think even as a kid. But when I went to school, when I went to college, I basically got a, a football scholarship and yeah. I joke and I say to people the first, you know, quarter that I was in uh, school, I majored in eligibility. And, and uh, <laughs> what I mean by that is I really didn't... Uh, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. And yeah. and I took a course in geology just to try it out, and I really loved it. And I had a great professor. His name was Charlie Match, and he would eventually become my uh, advisor. And um, he was such a great uh, teacher, such a great professor. Um, he was passionate about the subject, and, and I think he inspired me in that way. And um, so I was very fortunate to have a wonderful mentor who really um, nurtured the seed, if you will, of, uh, of something that I guess I had a little bit of a talent for. So that's how it started. And, and eventually when I graduated, he was the one that got me my first job uh, as a field geologist walking through the swamps in northern Minnesota uh, looking for basal peat samples that they would test for gold. Wow. And um, so, you know, I, again, Charlie came through and got me started. But eventually I went to work for a company called Twin City Testing, and they put me into this budding new field of uh, forensic science, looking at concrete, trying to uh, determine what caused certain problems like low strength or delaminations or, you know, whatever the case may be. There's all kinds of different problems that we run into. And, and so uh, I was pretty good on a microscope, and I, I learned that science. And... Um, we did pretty well, and after a few years, some of the principals at that firm left and asked me if I would join them in this new venture at American Companies, and we started that in 1990, and we haven't looked back. So it's, it's really been an amazing ride. Like I said, I've had wonderful mentors in business in, uh, you know, during my education years and, uh, and in my personal life. I, I, I look back now, and uh, I was really fortunate. It sounds like uh, most everything that that happens in life that's good. It, you kind of it got into it by accident. You know, it's not yeah, what you set out to you do. Know, I guess as I get older, I'm starting to wonder. You know, do things happen? You know, by chance or are they, they happen because they're supposed to? I don't know. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm very fortunate with how things have gone, and I've had a lot of support from my wife and from my kids and from other researchers and, and friends, and uh, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I have a lot to be thankful for, that's for sure. Well, just from, from talking to you the couple of times that I have, you have 
I, I wish I would have recorded our phone conversation the other night. <laughs> uh, but you, you've definitely. Yeah, we did. You, you, uh, you have definitely lived a, a very interesting life, and I think it's it's uh, only going to get even more interesting thanks to the current path that you're on now. Well, I hope so. I, you know, uh, let's face it. Some of the stuff that we're doing with the show is, uh, you know, can get a bit controversial, and and it's not for the faint of heart. I don't think, and but I also recognize that we have a tremendous opportunity here. And we talked a little bit about some of the issues in this whole um, area of study that, um, you know, quite frankly, are head scratchers in many ways for me. I mean, I look at, you know, something like the Kensington Roomstone, and I didn't realize there was a controversy. I didn't know that it was supposed to be fake. I didn't know anything. And, you know, but that's really the way that I do my job. I'm, I'm an independent and... Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm required to look at things objectively, and I and I do. And in the case of the Kensington Rooftone, I, I I knew nothing, and uh, so I've learned a lot since, obviously. And and um, you know, there's things aren't aren't right as far as I'm concerned, and that's part of what must be at least 18 years old. Promo code, location, and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Please play responsibly. Call 800-426-2537 for help. Think you know sports? Then try to turn your sports knowledge into real money with the Sleeper app. The ultimate fantasy sports app that can turn game day into payday. With up to 100 times payout and your first deposit matched up to $500. Just download the Sleeper app and pick your favorite sports and players, like Christian McCaffrey's rushing yards. With more stats than any sports app, just choose two or more of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick more or less from the predicted stats and ka-ching. You could win up to 100 times your money if your pick wins. With the Sleeper app, you can make picks anytime, even after the game starts, with up to 100 times payout. What are you waiting for? Download Sleeper today and unlock one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports apps in the world. Just go to the App Store, download the Sleeper app today, and use code SPORTS for up to $500 match on your first deposit. That's promo code SPORTS. What we're trying to do with the show is, is get to the bottom of these things and, and get some answers. So and try to set the record straight because I think that there are a lot of people, certainly yourself, uh, that knows that, uh, you know, these things can't all be fake, can they? No. The answer is no. No, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> so if right. If they're not, then what are they and, and what does it mean? Who, who, who made these things? Where yeah. they come from? And yeah, how did these things come, come to be? Over here? Yeah. And most importantly, why don't we know, why don't we know about this? Exactly. And, and, and speaking of the, the Kensington Roomstone, that's really where your the, the current journey that you're on and you've been on this journey for what going on 13 years and it'll be 13 years pretty soon yeah yeah uh, so that's really where this journey begins so let's let's kind of start there and and tell me about you know how you got interested in this quest that you're on to to really tell the story of, of the real history of America well, it, it, it started with the Roomstone, and um, actually, the, um, some representatives working with the Roomstone Museum um, contacted University of Minnesota Duluth and got a hold of some of my old professors, who, uh, when they asked them, you know, who could we get to do some forensic work on the stone, they recommended me. And I remember when I got, got the call from the, uh, the representative at the museum, and they said, we'd like you to study the Kensington Roomstone, and I said, what's that? 
<laughs> yeah. And they were kind of surprised that I didn't know what it was. I lived in Minnesota, right? And, yeah, you should know. And, and what I say to people is, I don't know why I didn't know about it. I must have missed school that day or something, but I, I didn't know what they were talking about. And, and you know, he started to go into the story, and, and actually I stopped him pretty quickly, and I gave him what I call the speech that I give to all my new customers. And I just said, look, I'll be happy to do this work for you, but, you know, when we get done, I may come back and give you news you're not going to like. No. And you're still going to pay me <laughs> because it doesn't matter what the results are. I get paid either way, which is kind of a nice gig. But, um, you know, I mean, that's the way it goes. I mean, the data is the data. And uh, when I write a report, if I have the data to draw a conclusion, I'm going to say it. And um, that's what I did in the case of the runestone. Now, um, they said, okay, they were fine with that, but I, yeah. I didn't mince words. I said, look, you know, I, it's a great story, and I hope it works out for you, but if it doesn't, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And so <clears throat> they said, okay, and away we went. Well, obviously, uh, you know, we ended up doing this tombstone study. We compared the weathering of the uh, inscription and, and looked at the key minerals, the, the micas, specifically biotite, uh, with tombstones uh, in Maine that, you know, I had to find a place where I could get the right mineral, the right grain size, the, the, you know, comparable weathering environment. I mean, the criteria for the research has to be as close to replicating, you know, the runestone mm -hmm. as, as I could. So right. that worked out really well. And in the end, I felt comfortable saying without any problem at all that the runestone was real. And, and what they asked me to do was to present my findings at a archaeological conference, the Midwest Plains Archaeological Conference in 2000. And I remember I'd been working on it for about six months, and I was kind of ready to be done and get on with my life, you know. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I got a lot of interesting projects that I work on. And uh, when I gave the presentation, the place was packed, and <clears throat> there was over 200 people there. And when I got done, I, I thought to myself, well, good for them. They got one, you know. Yeah. And when I got done, half the people were like, oh, my gosh, this changes history. And the other half, you know, I remember some people came up to me and said, well, that's very interesting, Mr. Walter, but it's a fake, don't you know? Yeah. And I said, no, it's not. Didn't you hear what I just said? <laughs> yeah. They, were, were you, you know, just I, listening? I thought maybe they didn't understand me. Yeah. I'm waiting for questions, and they didn't ask questions. It was just, no, you're wrong. It's a fake. I'm like, what are you talking about? So <clears throat> in, the, in the days and weeks and, and months after that, I started to hear feedback from, you know, some of these academics and these archaeologists that got pretty nasty. And I was confused at first, and then after a while, I, I got tired of being criticized, and I, I got pissed off. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I got to get to the bottom of this and, and figure out what's going on. And so that's what led on the quest. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing. I, I guess I should go back and thank those people for you know, being so critical because it's really what got me going on this path. And man, it just led from, you know, one thing to another. And, and I don't know how much detail you want to hear about, but, but that's how it started. Well, I, I have two questions for you at this point here. Uh, one for me and, and when we have our first uh, question from a, a listener on the show, um, my question is when you were presenting this topic at this conference did did you have any idea at the time the significance of what it was you were saying no, yeah. no absolutely not <clears throat> no I, I didn't I mean I, I guess you know I figured 
I, I, I thought that this was, when I walked into the room and I saw the people, I, I knew that, you know, I just knew that there was something a little bit different about this, but I did not have an appreciation for just how profound that was. I, I, uh, I didn't at the time, no. And you were still kind of, uh, I guess, this is probably a rhetorical question at this point, but I guess you were still at, at that point in time just kind of oblivious as to, you know, what this runestone really was. I mean, you'd never heard of it. You'd just been introduced to it six months earlier. So, you know, I I can see where you wouldn't at that point have grasped, you know, exactly what it was that you were you were about to tell these people. No, not really. At I least mean, not I, the significance I, of it. I, I guess in my mind, I thought they'd, like I say, I thought they'd be happy. And I was kind of pleased to be able to give them good news because in my job, there's many times I give customers bad news. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple of times where my test results have put people out of business. Uh-oh, <laughs> that's not good. No, I'm not kidding. Um, wow. And, you know, nobody wants to do that. No. But, uh, you know, the standard that I have to meet as a licensed professional is I have to be able to testify to the results that I generate and the conclusions mm -hmm. I draw in a court of law under oath. And, and I take that very seriously. And so, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to give people bad news, but you know, life is, well, <laughs> life isn't always about uh, good news, you know? Well, well the truth can hurt, you know? Well, and, and that's what, that's my job. Okay. Well, I, we have our first question from a listener of the show. This comes from uh, Chris. And uh, I, I know the answer to this because we've, we've talked about this off air before. But her question is, um, Scott, why do you think the scientific community has such a culture of resistance? Because this is something that's made quite clear on your show, America Unearthed. Right. Well, that's a great question, Chris. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, there are two things that I, I really do believe are going on. Um, first of all, I think you have what I call problems of the human condition in academia. Mm -hmm. um, things like ego, um, poor science, um, protecting turfs, um, all, all these personal things that you run into in, in just in life in general, but uh, academia is not immune to it, and I've seen examples of that where people have lost their way because of personal issues like that. The second reason uh, there's no question about this is that many of these academics in certain disciplines, uh, like archaeology, like history, like language, like anthropology, uh, runology, um, people did not follow proper scientific methods. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's in some ways it's not their fault because they're not formally trained in the scientific method. And I know that some people in these disciplines have gotten extremely angry with me for saying that. But you know what? Uh, this was one of the things that I did uh, after this criticism as I investigated the investigations of some of the other people. Um, and, I, and, I, and this is what I found. And I can tell you exactly where they screwed up. And, you know, some people might say, well, what makes you an expert? Well, I'll tell you what, as a person who's been doing material forensic investigations yeah. for, you know, going on 30 years pretty soon, if there's one thing I understand, it's the process of investigation. I do it all day, every day. And I know when it's not done right. So 
Um, that's another big reason. But I would also say that I've seen evidence that there are larger forces at work here. Mm. In other words, some of the implications of some of these artifacts are not going to sit well with certain people. And um, I think academia, to some degree, is, um, you know, and I can't prove this, this is speculation on my part, but I yeah. think they're playing a role in this. And I don't know how big of a role, I don't know how uh, big of a factor that is, but I do think there's something to it. So that's part of what we're going to be looking at a little deeper in the next couple seasons. I hope that answered her question. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it did. Uh, like I said, I already knew what you were going to say, um, but I, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that the ego of a lot of these uh, quote-unquote experts or professors or academics, however you want to categorize them, I think the ego is probably, in my not-so-humble opinion, the number one thing that is causing them to react so negatively to a lot of the information that you're presenting. Well, and, and um, you know, the other thing that I, I will have to say that I've, I've had some direct interaction with a number of academics, especially in the Scandinavian countries with regard to the Rootstone. And, mm -hmm. I, and I have to tell you that some of the things that I saw were shocking. And I'll give you an example. Um, the top runologist in the world is a guy by the name of Professor Henrik Williams, and he's a brilliant guy and certainly knows a lot about runes. And one of the interesting things that happened, and I think this story is, is worth telling because it'll give the audience some perspective into how these things come about. Okay. You know, one of the things that I did after I heard the criticism I is I basically said, look, before anybody can tell us what's in this inscription. In other words, to be able to look at the runes, to decipher the uh, linguistics and so on, you have to know what's there. Mm -hmm. And so I had the runestone come into my lab in 2002, and I did a photo, I generated a photo library using high angle and low angle reflected light so people could see everything that was in this inscription. And incredibly, as I did this, I started to find things. Things like punch marks and added strokes, things that were man-made, yeah. clearly intentional, added after the inscription was carved. And and if they're they're put there, they're put there for a reason, right? Right. And one of the things I found were two dots above one of the hooked X runes in the word har. Mm -hmm. um, har is the first word on the split side, and that particular word was the chief piece of linguistic evidence against the runestone for the last hundred years. And sadly, I have to say, it is a modern Swedish word. Mm -hmm. However, when I did the photo library, I found these two dots. And I remember Henrik Williams and, and Dick Nielsen said to me, are you sure those are there? I said, yeah, I'm sure. Look at them right there. Well, back 100 years ago, I'm sure the darn thing was still filled with mud. Or, and that surface of the stone is rougher than the face side. It's on the split side. Right. So it, it is kind of tough to see if you don't look carefully. Well, because of those two dots, <laughs> the word is not hard. The word is hair. There yes. are ten men by the sea with our ships. And guess what? Yeah. That's an old Swedish word. Yep, that changes so the context. A powerful piece of evidence against the stone becomes compelling proof that it's indeed medieval. But I'm not surprised by that because the geology told me it was real and it had to be right as far as I was concerned. So 
Um, so at that point, Professor Henrik Williams in Sweden said, wow, this is significant. And he wrote a paper with Dick that we published in my uh, Kensington Runestone book. And he basically said, hey, because these dots changed this word, he didn't say that it meant it was medieval. He said it needs to be further studied. And at that point, when he published that in our book, he was called into the dean of the college, who basically said, Professor Williams, if you have time to study the Kensington Runestone, you have time for additional administrative duties. Wow. And he was punished for two years. Wow. Now, I don't even have to say anymore. That's crazy. But that's what's going on. Well, that sounds like a really good reason for uh, uh, a lot of people to just um, keep their mouth shut about what their opinion is. Well, that's right. That's part of the problem. Yeah. And there's basically a moratorium in Scandinavia, in my opinion, that the rooms don't sink, and that's it. We don't care. We don't care if the 10 men stood up and said we were here. They'd say, get back down on the ground. You're, you're fake. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, but it, believe me, it's true. Well, as 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 strange as that as this may sound, I I can totally uh, I, I totally buy into that because um, people are they want to believe what they want to believe, and and people can be so closed-minded and so stubborn that when shown that their beliefs may not necessarily be what you know, the correct one or, or things may not be as they seem, people are resistant to change and they don't want to um, admit that maybe they were wrong or maybe that uh, what the, the way that they were thinking or, or what they've been telling people maybe needs to be altered a little bit. Well, I think you're, you're talking about um, a couple of things here. You know, another thing that is, is different is I work in the professional world and I'm not an academic, mm -hmm. and we do things differently. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things that I hear all the time is people say, "Well, you haven't had your work peer-reviewed in a scientific, you know, journal." And I said, "Well, you're right. <laughs> I've had my work reviewed by eight of the top geologists in the relevant disciplines in the world, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I, I signed my name on this, and and I'm I'm bound to." conduct myself professionally in an ethical manner. And if I don't, I could lose my job and I could potentially go to jail. And I would ask, what, what accountability does a, a tenured professor have? Um, right. They don't, don't have any. Right. Except his own personal, you know, ethical standards. So it, it, it's a different system. It's completely different. And I beg uh, to argue that I think the professional world conducts itself um, in a different way, and, and I think it's, quite frankly, more reliable. I mean, you know, we, we engineers, architects, geologists, I mean, we're the ones that are in charge of, you know, the energy, our infrastructure, our buildings, our, our homes, and, and making sure they're safe and, and operate properly. But, you know, when it comes to looking at artifacts and... and, and you know, weighing in on history, we're incompetent. I, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right either. I don't understand. 
the, the reason behind that either. <laughs> and well, it's it's just a different way of doing things. And uh, like I said, I, I I beg to to differ. If they think that the way they're doing it is better, I, I think it's I think there's something wrong with it. It's broken. I mean, if they can't get the runestone right, my God, it's a layup as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If they can't get that right, then as far as <laughs> there's a hope for them. Yeah. And I, I got a, a comment from another another listener. This is comes from Jim. He said, uh, those of us out here in the real world just want the truth, which is why we watch the show. We don't care about the politics of academia. So. Right. Well, I'm the same way. I, I, I got to a point where I'm just sick and tired of this nonsense because, you know, the Roomstone was just started. It. I mean, I've looked at dozens and dozens of artifacts and sites and, um, you know, some of the academics have, have tried to paint me out as somebody, well, everything he sees is real. Well, that couldn't be further further from the truth. In fact, yeah. um, in, in the case of, uh, I, I don't want to say what this particular site is or, or this group of artifacts, because we're going to do an episode on it. I don't want to tip my hand, but <laughs> gotcha. believe me, I found plenty of fakes. And, um, and in reality, the fakes reveal themselves pretty fast it's it's the real stuff that seems to hang around and not go away like the rooms don't what a great example you know they yeah. tried desperately to kill it but it just wouldn't die and there's a reason for that mm -hmm. you're you're right there's there's a perfectly good reason for that and yeah. and the the room stone is what started your journey into this whole thing and you like you said you got pissed off basically because you were getting all these, you know, academics who were basically poo-pooing what you knew was the truth. And and, and, and you know something else, Sean? Look, I, I don't mind being called names. I mean, I, you know, I'd rather not, but I mean, if right. somebody wants to call me names, we talked about that before. I could care less. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is about. Um, you know, when, when you're done complaining... You know, are we going to talk serious or are we going to fool around? Okay. Right. And if you want to sit here and tell me what you think, well, that's fine. Um, but it doesn't mean anything to me unless you have evidence to back up what you say. I mean, this is what I get back to all the time. And for some reason, these academics, you know, their word is gold and is God. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry, <laughs> it is not unless you have evidence to support it, period. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, I'm all done listening to people tell me what they think. I, I want I want to see the evidence, or I'm not interested. I understand, and and I, I'm the same way. I you know I want to see uh, I want to see the evidence, and and if uh, you have evidence to show that uh, my way of thinking or what I believed is is wrong or not what I thought it was, then I'll be the first person to say, hey, um, I made a mistake. You know. I you know what? Me too. I I look. We're all human. We all make right. mistakes. And uh, I'll be uh, I'll be the first one to step up, especially if you can show me I'm, I made a, a bonehead move. Fine, but uh, when I do my work, I'm careful. I try to be careful, and um, I, I I think we've done a pretty good job so far. But you know, we're not above making a mistake or above criticism. But you know, again, I, your opinion is wonderful. But right, tell me why. Show me show me the good. Well. It, it Scientifically, has anyone been able to even come close, in your opinion, to to proving that the the uh, Kensington Stone is a fake? Well, the answer is no, and the answer is it's never going to happen because 
I mean, if it's real, which Mm -hmm. it is, and we have a voluminous body of evidence from multiple disciplines that all converge at authenticity, which is basically how our system works. This is how you prove a case in a court of law. But by definition, if it's genuine, how can there possibly be factual evidence to the contrary? By definition, it can't exist. There right. can't be evidence to prove that it's fake because it's not fake. Right. So, no, I'm not worried about it. And, and the fact of the matter is I've been working on this thing now for almost 13 years, mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting for the first piece of factual evidence, not rumor, not innuendo, not opinion, not speculation, factual evidence that's consistent with it being a forgery. It, I haven't... It, I, and I'm going to be waiting it for a long time. It's not <laughs> yeah. a forgery. I mean, does that make sense? Makes perfectly good sense. Makes, yeah. yeah. I mean, so no, I'm not worried about it. I, All right. But I, you know what? I will always listen. But show me, show me the evidence. I'll tell me what you think. And that's and that's quite frankly what what the runologists did. They they, they in the runestone they basically have a body of knowledge. Mm-hmm. This is what we know about runes and runology, and. And they basically, here's the box. And then they took the runestone and tried to make it fit into this box. Yeah. And when it didn't fit, the conclusion was, well, it must be a hoax. Well, yeah. Just, that's, that's backwards. Right. <laughs> that's not the way you do it. <laughs> it sounds like they kind of had a preconceived notion and went in. Well, it, it, well yeah, but, but that's the way they, they do their, their research. That's the way it works. Now, mm-hmm. in this particular case, you're talking about uh, a Templar land plane. Mm-hmm. This inscription has got multiple levels to it. It's got codes. It's got allegory in it. It's got symbolism. And if you don't understand that, if you don't, first of all, acknowledge that that's the case, you don't have a chance. Wow. I mean, this thing is immensely complicated, and I, and I don't pretend that we've got everything figured out on it, but I can absolutely guarantee you that's that's what's going on here. And wow. until they recognize that and they and they look at it in that context, they're never going to figure it out, ever. Okay. I'm going to pause right here for just a second, Scott, and uh, tell everybody out there listening once again how you can get in contact with us here on the show. If you have a question for Scott Walter, my guest, or myself, the number to call, the studio line is 615-692-1170. That number again is area code 615-692-1170. Or you can reach me on Yahoo Messenger or Yahoo Chat, whichever one you want to call it. My screen name is GreyDragon98. That's G-R-E-Y-D-R-A-G-O-N, number 98, tacked on to the back of that. Or you can simply email us, Sandman at Parareality. Dot com is my email address, and I'll check my email uh, account every so often during the course of the show. I'm also trying out the Facebook thing tonight. Um, I already had a couple of uh, people who you know, clicked on the, the like button that they're liking the show with no other interaction on Facebook, but that's okay if you're listening and you're you're on Facebook. Just uh, look me up on Facebook, Sandman.Parareality. So those are all the different ways you can get in touch with me here on Parareality Radio. If you have a question for myself or my guest, History 2's Scott Walter from America Unearthed. And I have one more question from a listener. Uh, this comes from Chris again. Uh, Scott, she says, uh, do you think that some of the fakes could be uh, setups to try to trick you? Because that would be a good but sneaky way to discredit you by exposing uh, alleged faulty research. Uh, do I think that's happened yet? I don't think so, but um, <laughs> do I think that's a possibility? 
Absolutely. Um, I have had people submit artifacts to me that were fakes that they portrayed to be real and we were able to, we were able to catch them. Um, but if somebody wants to do that, I guess that's, that's their prerogative. Um, but, um, you know, if we do our work the right way, um, I think we'll probably figure it out. I think so too. That seems like, um, with today's science and technology, it seems like something like that would be a really hard thing to, to fake successfully. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I, I've done a little bit of reading about, uh, fake archeology span and faking history. And, you know, I think it's important to understand what, you know, people that are out there trying to make fakes. And, and in most cases, they're not trying to fool me. They're trying to make money. Yeah. So I think it's it's important not just to un- understand, you know, what it is that that you need to to know about to understand what's real. I think it's important to understand what people are doing when they're faking things too. And and I just want to learn as much as I can, so I have as many tools in the in the box when I when I go to work as possible. And um, like I said, I have found some fakes. I, I I've got one story that. After we make it and that episode airs, I can't wait to talk about it. And most people will know about this, but um, I got to keep it quiet for now. But right, now I know um, there's there's only so much you're you're able to say about future episodes. I'm sure. Well, yeah, we got to keep it in suspense a little. Exactly. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have yet. I've got one more uh, episode to watch. I've got the uh, the I, the season finale that I, I've DVR'd and, and I haven't watched it yet. But, uh, so but what, during the course of our conversation tonight, please don't reveal anything to me about the season finale <laughs> of season one because I haven't I seen it. I, <laughs> I will tell you this, that was one of the most uh, fun episodes to, to make. I had a blast doing it and uh, it was really, it was really a good episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. But to, to be honest with you, probably after uh, we get finished recording this episode of the show tonight, I'll probably go right to the TV and uh, turn that sucker on and watch it. <laughs> no time <laughs> okay. like the present. So um, let's. Um, oh, I just got another uh, question for you that just popped up. Uh, sure. So let me ask you this before we move on, Scott. Uh, this comes from Steve, and uh, Steve said that you have alluded to the idea that uh, academia may not only have blinders on, but there, but that uh, there may be an active cover-up on some of these anomalies that he investigates. Um, I think you've already answered this. He said, could you expand on that a little bit and maybe see if uh, he has a sense of, of why there might be a cover-up? Yeah, uh, I should have read that before I... Um, asked you that question. Yes, Steve, Scott's really actually already answered that question. Um, can you give him like the uh, the 10-second rundown if you can do that, Steve, uh, Scott? Well, yeah, I, I would say that based on what I've seen so far, um, yes, there are some, uh, I have seen willful attempts to cover things up and um, and it's disturbing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to talk about the specific uh, situation that I could talk about because, again, that's going to be another future episode. Right. But um, 
let's just say that uh, one of the fingers that I would point is to the Smithsonian Institute. Mm. Well, let me, let me give you an example. Okay. Remember at the, at the end of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, when they, uh, you know, the experts said, we got our top people working on it, our top people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you saw that the Ark was in a crate and being pushed into the sea of crates never to be seen again. Right, the gigantic warehouse. Yeah. I am 100% convinced that that's true. Yeah. And I think that most people, well, one of your people that called in basically said exactly what I'm about to say. Um, I'd like to know what's in those boxes. What is it yeah. that they're hiding from us? Why is it that I get so much grief when I want to, uh, when I try to work with the Smithsonian Institute? They don't like me. Huh. <laughs> why not? Yeah. I why thought, not? If you read their mission statement, basically what it says is they will investigate things thoroughly, objectively, honestly, and, and uh, get to the truth. Well, that and sounds like a perfect definition of you. Well, um, <laughs> let's say it's one thing to say it, it's another to do it. To do it, yeah. Well, yeah. interesting you should bring up the Smithsonian because I'm going to be making a trip there later on this week. Uh, I've never been to the Smithsonian before. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be making a trip there, so I'll uh, I'll email you and let you know what my opinion of the Smithsonian is. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you're gonna see a fantastic uh, museum. You're gonna see a lot of amazing stuff, but you're not gonna see anything that pushes the envelope of the known history of uh, what they what, what we're supposed to yeah. know. Just just you know? pretty it's a stuff. Great museum. Stuff. Don't get me wrong, but um, I want to know what's in the basement. Yeah. I see just pretty stuff on the surface, the shiny stuff that they want us to see. Yeah, I, I think that's probably probably uh, true. Probably yes. yeah. So let's let's uh, let's move on for a second here. Uh, I want to fast forward in time to 2009 when you uh, did the documentary for the History Channel about uh, the, the Knights Templar. Can you tell me um, how that came about? How did you was would, was that something? How did, on, how did they get on the Templars, right? Well, yeah, I mean, how how did that whole thing come about with with the documentary, and how did the okay. Templars, you know, how how did the Templars fit into all of a sudden we're 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 talking about the Kensington Runestone, and then you know a few years later the Templars are are put into the equation. How did you come, you know? Well, that's... it was it was very simple. We followed the evidence trail. The evidence trail took us right to the Templars, and and here's how it happened. I mean. You know, one of the things I said after um, we did the geologic work, I said, look, the geology tells me absolutely this is a genuine artifact, therefore it's medieval. So mm -hmm. based on that, that means that everything in this inscription also must be medieval. And um, so the language, the room, the dialect, everything has to exist. It's got to be over there somewhere. Of course, if you call it a fake, it's not going to find anything if you don't look, right? Right. So I took five trips to Scandinavia over a period of about three and a half years, looking for the stuff. And we found it. We found it on the island of Gotland. Now, what, what people have to understand is that the only the only people that would have been capable of carving an inscription of that complexity and length at that time in the 14th century would have been a member of the clergy. I mean, the common people weren't educated. Well, the only clergy that you had on the island of Gotland were the Cistercian monks. Well, who are mm -hmm. they? So we started researching the Cistercians. Oh, 
they were founded in 1099 and their charismatic leader um, in the next decade uh, was St. Bernard de Clairvaux. Well, who is he? Oh, this guy wrote the charter for the Knights Templar Order. And uh. that's, that's, you know, and they were the, had the finest sailing fleet in the world at that time and they were the money handlers and you start reading into them and you go, oh, that's interesting. And so really it was just a, it was a logical path that we followed it was it just followed the evidence it took us right to them right to them and okay. so so at that point i was really delving into the the, the templars and, and the cistercians really because they're the brains behind the outfit mm-hmm. and you know I, I think one of the things that has really helped us um make significant progress is you really have to make an effort to think like they did back then. You gotta get out of the twenty first century and you gotta you gotta understand what the medieval mindset was all about and what, what those people were thinking about and then you can start to predict what they might do. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time researching the Cistercians and the Templars and man things really started to gel. And um and right about that time um we were uh I worked on a murder case uh in Las Vegas and it really uh, was a it was a kind of a, it was a disturbing case, but we, we really were able to contribute a lot of good information that helped identify this particular victim and put them on the trail of the perpetrator. I'll leave it at that. Okay. But at that time, uh, one of the local news stations wanted to do a story about the murder case. So uh, Maria Oz. Uh, who is an investigative reporter with, with WCCO-TV locally here, came to my office to interview me. And when she walked in, I have this poster from one of my trips to Sweden of the Roomstone and a conference that I attended. And she looked at it and she said, oh, have you done something with the Roomstone? And I just looked at it and said, oh, boy, sit down. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, to make a long story short, they ended up doing, during Sweet Sweet that particular year, two stories, uh, five minute, what they call dimension stories, one on the murder case and one on the room stone. And we had figured out a couple of unique codes on the stone. So she went home to her husband, who is Andy Oz. Well, those two own committee films and they were really just starting their company. And, and she thought this would be a good idea. She said, honey, you should, you should have lunch with this guy. This is really interesting stuff. So we did. He came to one of my lectures, and then we went to lunch, and he said, this would make a great documentary. So, um, you know, he put together a budget, and I went out and tapped some friends and said, hey, you guys always said you like this stuff. Now, <laughs> write me a check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Andy and I and Bo Hakala and Ben Kruger, four of us, went over to Europe, and we went to Gotland, we went to Sweden, we or to uh, the mainland, we went to Scotland, we went to England, and a couple places over here in the States, and we put together, or Andy put together this trailer that was just incredible. And he went to, uh, you know, a trade show for these people that work in the uh, cable networks, and they had a contest, and they got first place. And everybody wanted this film, but we hadn't made it yet. We just put together this trailer. And eventually history bought it, and, and that's that's how it came about. And then they, you know, set a budget, and, and we we finished the film, and, and that was it. And it, it, it did really, really well. So based on the success of that, I remember Andy said, well, 
is there anything else besides the moonstone? And I went, are you kidding? <laughs> There's a million things. Yeah. And so that's really what ultimately led to America on Earth. So um, I guess when between the time you finished shooting this documentary and until America Unearthed uh, aired this season on, on History 2, I guess it was basically those those years were, I guess, uh, developing the show, I guess? Well, I, I've, I've been researching a number of things. I mean, most of the time I spent was, you know, obviously doing my job, but there were all right. kinds of different uh, mysteries that I wanted to investigate. And my goal was to try to, uh, you know, answer some questions was obviously one of my goals, but also to push the envelope and, and see what we could do in developing this archaeopetrography because I see this as really it, it's a brand new science that um, you know archaeologists and, and historians can use to help them answer questions that um, you know bring new data to the table to help them understand history that, that they don't have figured out yet and it's a natural fit for archaeology and Unfortunately, I've had some, you know, adversarial relationships with people because, you know, I walk into the room and they go, oh, he's the runestone guy. And, you know, I mean, to me, it's like, well, why don't you guys just stop being so silly and get with the program here? And, you know, I, in one of the shows I said, well, you know, they, they talk about, well, if, if this is real, then you have to rewrite the history books. Well, then rewrite them. I mean, don't the academics get get paid to to write new books, they can sell the books, they can make money and make a name for themselves, you'd think they'd be all over it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So why not? It's that a good, good the, question. You that, know, it gets into these issues that we talked about. Right. right? You know, and speaking, so. speaking of those issues, I have one final question from a, a, a listener, uh, Steve, once again, who wants to ask, um, kind of getting back into this. He says... Um, all this has to be deeper than just, according to him, all this is probably just deeper than, or deeper than just egos and following the, the party line. He, he thinks there's an active cover-up that has to be in place, and he wants to know if you've tried to follow that trail, and you may have already answered that question as, as well. Have you, have you tried looking into, you know, is there, you know, like a conspiracy theory and who's behind it? Have you... Yep. Yeah. Can yep. you can you answer that question, or is that something you prefer to? Well, uh, the answer is yes. I, I, I do. I believe that there are um, some. I guess the way I, I I couch it, larger forces at work. Yes, I do. Um, do I think it's a carefully crafted, coordinated thing? I'm not sure about that. Um, no. I I don't know how coordinated it is. Um, but you know, for example. Um, our Minnesota Historical Society has been on both sides of the Kensington Moonstone issue. Okay. Back in 1910, Winchell came out, another geologist, and said the runestone was real. When I did my work, I knew who Winchell was. He's a giant in Minnesota geology. Mm -hmm. but I had no idea he had studied the runestone. And so when I came out with my results, I was like, holy crap. I mean, what if, what if I had a different conclusion? I mean, my yeah. career is over, right? Right. Well, fortunately I didn't. And, and in reality, what happened is, is I unknowingly, um, 
replicated what he already did independently. And of mm. course, that's the way science works. So right. here we have two, two geologists working in a hard science field that uh, have both come to the same conclusion, yet I'm at odds, and Winchell is at odds with, you know, academics in these opinion-driven disciplines. So we're at a standoff here, and, um, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out a way. But, but to me, science trumps opinion every time. And well, I know that in the long run, science is going to win. It just will. It always does. Yeah. So that that's going to happen. But why the reticence? What is it that people are afraid of? Why would they not want this to come out? Well, I'll give you one little tidbit. Um, mm -hmm. Religion. Uh, I was wondering when that was going to come up. <laughs> well, it's, 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 a, it's a fact of life that there are people with religious agendas. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the reasons why people came over here was obviously resources are one of them. Uh, precious metals being, you know, the big prize. Mm -hmm. And make no mistake, money is, is a huge motivator. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, many people came over here, I believe, for, for a long period of time, thousands of years, in part to escape religious persecution. And uh, the Templars are, are, are one of many that that would be one of their motivations, if you truly understand what the Templar leadership was all about. Right. And um, I think we know who the players are. And, um, you know, one of them is, is uh, you know, the, the Roman Church is, is struggling right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have been the antagonist in history for a long time to certain groups that were, you know, I mean, you probably remember something called the Inquisition. <laughs> So, I've heard of it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's that's one of the players in this yeah. larger forces. I think there's some um, um, political issues that, you know, are going to be raised. I mean, if I'm right about the room zone being a land claim, and I, I am right, I know I'm right, um, you know, someone could make the argument that, hey, we've got another entity here that's laying claim to what is now the United States of America. I mean... Yeah. Would these people have a legitimate claim, whoever they are? And I don't know what the answer is. I, I can't imagine somebody making a serious claim, but, no. you know, I mean, who wants to even delve into that? You know, I mean, mm, yeah. <laughs> where we are at this day and age. Nobody yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's go down that road. Exactly. So I, I think that's part of it. So between those two, you've got some pretty powerful influences here that would probably go a long ways to, you know, avoiding discussion about. Certain yeah, things. yeah. I think you're probably right. I think you're uh, onto something on that. Uh, who who the heck would want to go down that road with someone having a, a land claim? I mean, what if it was like you know some uh, family? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, not 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 for yeah. a country, but what if some family could prove that? Uh, hey, my right. tenth they were great grandfather. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and put this land claim down, oh my gosh, yeah. that'd be a problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, hey, you owe me some wouldn't you be back taxes. Wouldn't lawyer to take on that case? Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, you should make a for yourself, <laughs> wouldn't you? For sure. Uh, this is a good time for us to take a quick break, Scott. I'm going to play a little bit of music, and uh, we'll be back with Scott Walter in just a minute. We're going to talk about the uh, Templar connection and uh, a little bit about his show, America Unearthed, and uh, we're going to wind up with... Uh, 
us talking a little bit about uh, a subject that's uh, near and dear to my heart, which is the lost colony of Roanoke. Scott and I talked a little oh, bit sure. about that. Uh, that's really one of the reasons why I, I uh, first got the idea to try to have uh, have you on my show, as, as I've already said uh, uh, off mic to you a couple of times. So um, we're going to take a quick break and let you listen to some music. And, and I was I always try to pick music that I think is is appropriate to whatever theme that I'm, I'm having. And uh, for some reason, Scott, I just kept being drawn to this song. This is Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, because if <laughs> anyone's got it, that's you. <laughs> okay, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, oh, yes, sir. It certainly is. So we're going to let you listen to a little bit of music, and I'll be back in just a little bit with Mr. Scott Walter from America Unearthed.
Hi, this is Cece Carroll, a.k.a. Cece the Huntress. I want you to join us at the second annual The Paranormal Awards this April 13th at the Merrimack Valley Railroad Station in North Union Township. The Paranormal Awards are based on your hard work in all genres of the paranormal industry. It's a full-day conference with vendors, entertainers, speakers, and celebrities, and in the evening, the awards presentation. Submit your hard work to be nominated. Or just join us for a full day and evening of fun. www.cccthehuntress.com for all the details. Get your ghost on with me. I'm Cece the Huntress. This is Parareality Radio, your information source for all things paranormal. Join your host Sandman and his roster of special guests, experts, and experiencers as they explore the realms of the known and the unknown. New shows broadcast the first Monday of every month at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Listen online at parareality.com. Turn on, tune in, and find out. All right, we're back. That was uh, Survivor with Eye of the Tiger, and, and I thought I just had to play that because if anyone's got the Eye of the Tiger, it's Scott Walter. <laughs> Takes no crap from anybody. <laughs> hey, if you guys want to get in touch with us during the show and uh, have a question for my my most esteemed guest, Mr. Scott Walter, or myself, you can always uh, call the studio line, 615-692-1170. You can uh, get a hold of us on email, which is uh, sandman at parareality.com. Use the Yahoo Instant Messenger or Yahoo Chat Service, whichever one you want to use. It's uh, uh, or whichever one you want to call it. It's, my screen name is Gray Dragon ninety eight. That's G R E Y with the word dragon and the number ninety eight tacked on to the end of that. Or you can always uh, try the old Facebook thing. Um, I've had uh, never tried uh, doing Facebook while I'm on the air live before, and uh, I'm getting some likes on the show, but that's that's about it. I'm not getting uh, got not a, a lot of interaction, but that's okay. And uh, while we were um, playing Eye of the Tiger for you guys, I was t talking with Scott and, and uh, having some very interesting conversation that we're not going to get into on the on the show tonight. But uh, Scott, I wanted to let you know that I was getting all kinds of uh, pop-ups, uh, email, and uh, uh, stuff on the instant messenger. Everyone's really everyone's really digging the show. Uh, everyone says that, that they're uh, learning a lot and getting some really positive comments. So um, okay. I just wanted, well, good. yeah. Well, yeah, uh, as I said at the top of the show, you're a very interesting man who is leading, has led and is leading a very interesting life. And you know, it's it's funny how uh, how things seem to uh, be laid out before us, and we don't really know it, and things just kind of fall into our lap. And and certainly, right. you know, no question about exactly. That. And this this whole thing, this whole path that you're on, is something that uh, just kind of uh, I, I think people uh, kind of laid this path out before you, and you just chose to to go down it. And um, I, I for one, am am really glad that there's someone like you who's willing to take because this is a this is a huge undertaking. I mean, this isn't just something that you wake up one day and say, "Eh, let me give this a shot." You know. So well, I, I'm glad yeah. that there's someone like you who 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 is undertaking this, and and thanks to. Uh, you know, some, some very, uh, uh, I was going to say generous, but that's not really the word that I, that 
that describes it things some very intelligent people uh, at uh, the History Channel. You know, they're now giving you a, a medium to get this information out yeah. to the masses. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'm glad you bring that point up because <clears throat> they have been amazingly supportive. And, you know, um, not all, not all uh, you know, networks will do that. And I know for a fact that um, there are networks out there who have acquiesced when, you know, certain people went down, mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, investigating things that, that, that the church was not comfortable with. Yeah. And they mobilized their followers, and they were able to get the, the network to back down. And, yeah. you know, I just don't think that's right. Um, you know, just because, you know, the heat gets a little tough, um, you know, you got to stand up and face the music if you're culpable, then tough off, you know, deal with it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're, we're going to strap them to the rack and yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, torture them, but yep. you know, I, it, it's called accountability. And you know, the one thing I'll say, and I think all of us in in, in this country um, recognize that when people make mistakes, <clears throat> and believe me, we got all kinds of people in our culture—athletes, politicians, movie stars, everyday people—that make some pretty egregious mistakes. Mm -hmm. But if they own up to them and they apologize. And if they're sincere about it, I can't imagine any place else in the world where people are quick to forgive. Right. And, you know, I, I guess that's how I am. I mean, look, I, you know, we talked about playing football. I mean, mm -hmm. look, you don't always make the play. In fact, sometimes you screw up and you give up a touchdown and sometimes you lose the game. Well, you, you learn from your mistakes, you correct right. them and you move on. And we're all in this big thing together here. So... <clears throat> and, and I'm talking about the research. I'm talking about, you know, the truth and, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. So, um, you know, it's not about putting people up on the rack or, get, you know, making people lose their jobs. It's, look, you, you made a mistake. You screwed up. Okay, fine. Now let's fix it. Let's fix it. Yeah, let's let's correct yeah. this. Yeah. You know, I, so, I, I certainly... That's, that's the attitude. That's how I feel. I'm not out to persecute anybody. But if you're going to be stupid about it, then we'll, we'll, you're going to yeah. get hammered, you yeah. know? Well, I certainly can't see uh, a show like this being on, say, like the Learning Channel. You know, uh, just I, I used to love that that channel because I, they had a lot of interesting information. But now it seems like you know they're the Honey Boo Boo channel. Oh, oh and, that silly nonsense! Yeah, yeah. yeah I just but can't see. Thinking, okay, I mean, it's a business. Yes, you know, mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna put on there what makes money, and yep. you know, I mean, all this you know stuff we're talking about, all these good intentions and you know ethical this and all of that. I mean, at the end of the day, they're running a business, and if they don't make yep. money, you know, they're gonna do something different, and yep. and I get that. And one of the things that that I recognize and and I'm fine with is we're trying to strike a balance between making you know, good, honest, scientific investigations mm -hmm. and making entertaining television. So, you know, there, there, you know, there are things that we do sometimes that I might not always, I probably wouldn't have done that exactly that way. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not complaining, believe me, not at all, because, you know, they don't ask me to do things that are silly. But yeah. at the same time, you know, we have to repeat things a lot, and there's a formula that we kind of have to follow, and and it's really an easy trade-off for me because 
we ask them to let us do a lot. So yeah. it's the least we can do. And, and I think we're striking a pretty good balance. Um, we learned a lot the first season, and I think the show got better as each episode went on. And uh, so do you know, I. overall, I couldn't be happier. I, I, they've been supportive. The, the people that are the production company, I mean, they're talented as hell. They're, they're fun. They're good people. And they, they really believe in the cause that they're not just doing their jobs and they, you know, I could care less about this stuff. They care. And I don't know what more I could possibly ask for. Well, I really enjoy the, the format of the show, the way it's shot and, and how everything is presented. It's not just another typical reality television show that follows this particular formula you know uh-huh. and and I, I really don't even consider and I I, I hope that you'll uh, appreciate this but I don't really consider your show to be a reality television show but I, I don't know what other genre to put it under in investigative uh, reporting I don't know um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess they say it's sort of a semi-scripted um, investigative reality show I don't know I mean you know the, the some of the things we do obviously are, are semi-scripted and we have to do them you know multiple times to mm-hmm. get you know all the stuff that we need but a lot of stuff that we do happens spontaneously and, and I think it comes through yeah so you know we're not trying to pretend that you know everything that happens we're just you know it happens as we go along some yeah. of it's you know semi-scripted like we say but a lot of it is spontaneous and and God, we've had some amazing things happen. Yeah. It just surprised the heck out of me. Well, I, I especially liked uh, one of the I get I can't remember if it was the next to last episode for for this season or the one before that where you were at the um, the tower. Oh, Newport Tower. The Newport yeah. Tower, and you were trying to do the laser light test, and it kept uh, kept raining, and and the the conditions just just wouldn't cooperate with you for that several happened. days. That yeah, and I, yeah, I, I like the fact that you that that was you, you know included in on the the show, and it didn't look like you you know okay, well I went out there the next day and and we did this and you know it worked out perfectly the first time. I I like the way that they you know because you you had to wait obviously I don't know how long but you had to wait until what was it the was it the summer solstice that you had to wait for or right, the, right. Yeah. it came in right at the last day we got very we got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I've been out there, you know, I've been there five years in a row. Well, let's see, 2007, 12, yeah, five years. Um, and I've only seen the illumination twice, you know. <laughs> Three times we had blizzards, and I was there for five days. I never never saw the sun at the right time, yeah. you know. Of course, it's always at the wrong time. And so, you know, there's no guarantees. I mean, you know, these light shows that these people incorporated into these structures that they built, um, you got to get weather to cooperate too. Otherwise, yeah, you're yeah. not going to see anything. You know. Well, one thing that I thought of that uh, I've, I'm going to ask you—I don't know if this is putting you on the spot or, or not—but uh, s- several episodes into the show, um, you went to—I um, think it was it was it uh, someplace in Arizona uh, where there were some writings on a or some some inscriptions on a like a little. It wasn't really a, a cave. 
talking about was, the boulder? Well, it was like in a little alcove type thing way out in the middle of the desert somewhere. Gosh, I wish I, wish I had uh, no, thought about this. That was the Mustang Mountain episode with the runic inscription on the boulder and the cave up in the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you were you had to be there at like this, the summer solstice to watch the progression of the shadows. Well, uh, well, let's see. No, that wasn't the... Uh, I can't remember. No, no, no. You're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of uh, the Anubis Caves in Oklahoma, the Panhandle of Oklahoma. Okay, yeah, that's yep. that's that's it. Yeah, okay. Yep, that's the one. Yep, no, yep. I know which one you're talking about. That so, was incredible. That was amazing. So if you had to be there at the summer solstice for that, and you had to be there at the summer solstice for the tower... That, no, no, that wasn't a solstice illumination. It that wasn't? was an equinox. An equinox, okay, so... Okay. September 21st, and the solstice is on, or the winter solstice is September 21st, and right. the summer solstice is uh, June 21st. Okay. All right. So that that answers that question. Never mind. Okay. So I was going to say, man, that must have been a long, must have been a long year worth of shooting shows if if you had to do it at the. the oh yeah. Well, but, those are the episodes where we obviously had to be there at a certain time of right. year, and. You know, even though the solstice and the equinox, you know, technically happen on a specific day, mm -hmm. you still have a couple days either side of it where you're still going to get these alignments. It depends on how precise they are, but yeah. you really have, you know, four to five days to shoot them okay. and to see them if you're just there to witness them. So you have a little bit of, a little bit of time, but in the panhandle there, it was hot and dusty and yeah. the sun was out the whole time. So yeah. No problem there with weather. <laughs> So, how much input do you have into the show? Do, do I mean, do you decide? A lot, okay, I want to. A lot. A yeah. Lot. So, so do you get to decide? Okay, I want to do. I want to look at this next, or or does a well, producer um, come to you? And... It's um, it's a collaborative effort. I mean, we, uh, you know, there are certain topics that I know a lot about. Obviously, mm -hmm. the Roomstone, the Newport Tower, you know, uh, some of the things that are coming. I mean, I know a lot about them, and so they, 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 they have to talk to me because I've, I've done the research and I know exactly what is going on. So right. they'll come up with story ideas and things that, that, you know, we'll talk about and say, well, what's going to make this work and interesting and fun and, you know, all that stuff. So they'll collaborate with me. Now, there are some that I know little, if anything, about. Um, the first episode we're going to film next week, uh, I know nothing about um, although I've done a little bit of research on it, um, that was just going to sort of happen as we're there. So it'll be interesting okay. to see. And I have no idea what I'm, what the conclusion is going to be. <clears throat> but in many cases, I do. And uh, so they will definitely collaborate with me. And uh, and then the researchers will do their work and they'll run it by me and we'll, we'll go through it. And of course, my wife, Janet, plays a pivotal role in this as well. She's been my co-researcher for a long time. And I should also mention that there are an awful lot of people that are out there doing doing this type of research. I'm not doing this in a vacuum. Uh, I'm the guy that's out front right now, but uh, there's an awful lot of people who have done an awful lot of work and contributed, um, you know, to this whole story yeah. of, of pre-Columbian history that we're looking at. And so, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm representing them and I want to do it in a, in a good way, in a scientific way, in an honest way. And, you know, uh, a lot of people are watching this, and, and yeah, they are. You know, they deserve a lot of credit too. It's not all me, that's for sure. Well, I I had uh, said before the break that we were going to dig more into the the Templar um, connection with, sure. with all what this. Do you <laughs> 
Well, obviously, I want to know everything, but I only got a limited amount of time. Um, what? Um, so you you told us about how the how you reached the Templar connection. So what I want to talk about is uh, in one of the the last episodes of this season, you uh, uh, bring up the fact that you know you've got this coin and and uh, uh, the Telpiat tomb. tomb yeah you got this right. coin and it looks like it has you know a, a picture of the Telpiat tomb on this coin and for those people who don't know what the Telpiat tomb is it's supposedly the tomb of the family of Jesus Christ and, and, and is that a pretty good Mary Magdalene, yeah. yeah yeah so is it your opinion that the Templars had access and or knew where this tomb was and that's part of the cover-up and the Templar connection yes okay <laughs> is that part of the problem with all this stuff absolutely yeah <laughs> does the church have a problem with that oh well, I, I, I how have could a they not problem with that yeah and and uh, uh, the story, from my perspective, after all I've investigated, and I don't want to tip my hand too much because I think there's a good good possibility we're going to investigate this much further. Okay. I mean, we really just uh, nibbled around the edges with the coin and all of that. It's, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the the uh, this this particular tomb has ten ossuaries in it, and and six of them are inscribed and. All six have uh, names that correspond directly to the royal family. And, you know, when you look at those those numbers, I mean, you start to run the odds. They get pretty high. Mm -hmm. But when you study the details, um, for example, the the Mary Magdalene ossuary, um, it's the only one that's in Greek, and the name is not Mary Magdalene. It's It's... It's it's actually a version. It's a, it's a it's a pet name for Mary, if you will. It's only found in the first Gospel of Philip, referring directly to Mary Magdalene. So the odds start to increase when you realize the detail is is this is a very rare and unique form of the name Mary, referring to uh, the only known usage of it is to a specific individual. And okay. so you start looking at that, and one of the ossuaries says Jesus. Son of Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What are the odds of that? Yeah. How many of those guys that have, you know, the pet name of Mary Magdalene? Um, and then you start adding all the other names. It can't be anybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this argument, well, these are common biblical names. Well, right. But it's, yes, but it's not that simple. <clears throat> so, and this, this is where, you, you know, you, you have detractors and people that want to argue the points and they, they make these, uh, these statements that sound reasonable, but when they're examined carefully, they, they don't make sense. And in fact, the odds are, you know, 240 million to one, according to some estimates. So, wow. um, you know, you got, you're talking about maybe 20,000 people max that were living in Jerusalem at that time. Mm. It's not like cities are today. So, you know, you, when you start to really examine carefully, it, it, it's uh, pretty obvious who we're talking about. So if that's true, then, you know, we also know that somebody, according to the, the scholars that have worked on the tomb, say that the tomb was breached sometime about 900 years ago. Mm 
Well, what was going on nine hundred years? Oh, the First Crusade. The oh. Crusades, yeah. Who did, who did that? Oh, the Templars. Oh, okay. Now, if if you start to to study the the myths and the research and the and and you know the facts, as we know, um, that um, if if Jesus and Mary were married and they had children, well, here's a fact, okay. Every single person walking on the planet today has mm-hmm. ancestors that were alive 2,000 years ago. That's a fact. Okay? Right. Now, okay. why is it such a stretch to say that these two people, if they were married and had children, don't have ancestors that are alive today or descendants that are alive today? Well, the fact is, of course they could. <laughs> it's yeah. not a big deal. <laughs> you yeah. know, again, if, if these people were human beings. Mm-hmm. So if you go from that premise, now this guy was a very special human being, and according to the research that I've done, and, and based on the research of many other people uh, recently, this guy was was um, an important person. And 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 first of all, to have a tomb like the Telpia tomb, you know, not the common person isn't going to have a tomb like that. You've got to be a person of means. Yeah, not a carpenter. Now you've got this this guy Jesus that's supposed to be one thing. You, you know, for if this is his tomb, he can't be who they thought he was. There's something else going on. Yeah. So the story that was perpetrated um, can't be true. It, it has to be something different. So these are some of the things that logic just tells you have got to be going on, and it really goes on from there. And you know, if someone was in the tomb, what 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 did they do? Why did they go in there? Well, if, if, if the Templars, according to many researchers and, and the research I've done, indicate that they are the bloodline descendants of Jesus and Mary, hmm. then what they're doing is they're going into their own family tomb. They're not desecrating this thing. They have a right to go in there from their perspective. You follow me? Yeah. So the question is, what, what did, why did they go in there? What did they do? Well... They didn't pillage the place. They didn't steal the ossuaries, which is typically what happens when these these tombs are breached. People go in there, they take the ossuaries, and they sell them for money. Yeah. Okay? That didn't happen. But what we do know is that the ossuaries of the one that says Jesus, son of Joseph, and the one that says Mariam Nemara mm-hmm. are empty. So they took the bones. They bones out. Right. What's going on there? Well, I think it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, they <laughs> Why took the bones. Why would they go in and take the bones of their ancestors? To because, uh, keep them from the church. Well, as insurance against the church. Yeah. Don't mess with us. And and so this is this is what I think is probably going on. And the more I investigate it, the more I look carefully at the evidence. It's, it's let's just say it's consistent with that. But. You know, are people going to get upset about that? Of course they are. But again, are we having a discussion about faith? Are we talking about science? Because I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a faith discussion. <clears throat> so that's different. You can, people can believe whatever they want. That's, that's, that's their right. And mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. So, but I'm doing science and I don't want to talk about faith in that discussion because it's just, it doesn't have a place. That's a, a person's own. Um, individual choice, and that's that's wonderful. It's great. Faith is great. Right, right. right. I, I see exactly where you're you're headed with that, and I don't blame you. I think I would uh, take that same approach too. 
I were you. Yeah. Well, I have to. I have to because the one thing that I want to make people understand is that I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to attack anybody's faith. I'm not trying to undermine the church or anything else. I'm just trying to figure out what happened. And, I'm glad you made that point. Yeah. No. I, and I absolutely I say that in my lectures when I talk about this stuff and. And after I give that that particular lecture, as far as I'm concerned, if somebody gets offended, it's their own fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, I mean it. You know, I, look, it's not. I'm not trying to do this to you, so don't let it happen. And if it does, and people get offended and upset, then maybe their faith isn't as strong as they thought it was. I don't know. I or maybe they just don't have as much of an open mind as what they should. Well, again, you know, you're talking about faith. That the mm -hmm. rules are different. They, they are. People um, have very strong convictions about their faith. And uh, it's like we were talking off mic. Uh, it's, it's a fine line that you walk whenever you, you talk about religion and you talk about faith because they're really, um, even though they go hand in hand, they're not always the same thing. No. Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 it goes both ways. I mean, people who are of a particular religious persuasion um, have their strong beliefs and their opinions, and that's wonderful. Well, I can have my opinions too, and yes. um, but I I I I don't speak them unless somebody asks me about them, and then I'll say what I what I think if it's, if I feel it's appropriate. Mm. But you know, again, I'm not trying to. Uh, offend anybody. I, I have some of my best friends in the world are, are Roman Catholic or Muslim or Jewish and I just don't get into that. I respect right. their their moments when they're um, practicing their faith and, and I respect that and, and I think it's great. But, you know, <clears throat> I focus on the things that we have in common, not, mm -hmm. not our differences. Right. And well, like I said, I'm we're glad... All, we're all in this big thing together. I don't yes. care what you believe in. We're all... All of this together. Yep, we're all here together. And nobody gets out alive. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yep. That's true. Well, like I said, I'm glad to hear you say all that because it's, I think it's important for people to know that you are not attacking no. religion or, or the church or anything that have to do with religious convictions. You're just, you're just after, you're just asking the questions. You're after the truth. I'm just doing the best I can, mm -hmm. and believe me, I'm far from perfect. Um, but um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying as hard as I can. <clears throat> but if I'm going to let myself be handcuffed by say, oh well, gee, I can't go there because somebody's feelings might get hurt. Um, you know, I just make it clear that's not my intention. So right, you know, don't let it happen. You know. I agree. I agree. Everybody, we're talking with Scott Walter from uh, America Unearthed on the H2 channel. He's also uh, something we haven't really talked about a lot tonight. He's also a published author. He's written uh, several books. Um, I'm actually, uh, I started reading the Hooked X book uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, okay. haven't, haven't gotten very far into it, but uh, so far it's, it's I'm, I'm liking the read so far. Um, well, it, it'll pick up. Let me let me promise you that. I, okay. I think it starts. You know, we we sort of have to build a base, and um, I think it's interesting as heck. But I, I really think as you get into it, it gets better and better. And I'll tell you, I'm working on the follow up right now. I just got the first edited draft from my publisher, 
and it's way better than the hook, the first Hooked X. I think wow. the, the new book's even better. When do you think that book will be out, Scott? Around June 1st. So it's not, oh, great. not too far away. My birthday's in June. That make a great birthday present. Hey, there you go. Sounds hey, good. Hey, hey, if you're listening out there and you want to send me a birthday present, <laughs> Scott's new book. Uh, so if you want... They ordered off my website, they can get a signed copy. I sign all the books. All right, great. What's, what's your... Throw your website address out there. there. Why not, right? <laughs> right. Throw, throw your website address out there. Let us know what it is. It's uh, www.hookedx.com. All right, hookedx.com. You can find out a lot about Scott there and order his books. Uh, even his new, do you have a uh, title for it yet? Or is that something you're not allowed well, to say? I'm going to um, actually, I, I, I'm probably going to do a trilogy. Ah. Um, this second, uh, the second one is also called The Hooked X. The first one was The Hooked X Key to the Secret History of North America. The second one is The Hooked X Akhenaten to the Founding Fathers. Ah, okay. That's, That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I'll take that. That's uh, just the title alone is interesting enough to make me at least pick it up and look at it, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Well, it it, um, it it's really apropos because the hook X represents, amongst other things, uh, an ideology, mm -hmm. and that ideology, I believe, begins. Cannot. And it flowed through uh, Jerusalem and into France and then to England and Scotland to Nova Scotia and eventually over here. Over here, right. Yeah. Hey, everybody, we're talking to uh, Scott Walter from H2 America Unearthed. Also published author, as we've just been talking about. If you want to get in touch with him during the show, ask him a question. Feel free to call the studio line 615-692-1170. You can also uh, email me on the show and I'll ask out your question. The email address is sandman at parareality.com. Get in touch with us on Facebook too. If you want to do it on Facebook, that's uh, sandman.parareality on Facebook. I've got uh, Facebook up and running tonight. And finally, you can get in touch with us with uh, Yahoo Messenger. Uh, by typing in my screen name, GrayDragon98. That's on Yahoo Messenger. Uh, let's see. Uh, Scott, I just had someone... Uh, Blue Unicorn. I don't know. Uh, this is a new uh, new person on the show. Blue Unicorn said... Uh, give, give, that, give your website address name again for, for me. It's www. Uh -huh. dot hookedx.com h-o-o-k-e-d-x -E okay alright Blue Unicorn that's the website address I'm going to type it in here I, I, I'm I, horrible at typing and talking at the same time oh don't worry about it I will, I will say this while you're typing the hooked x is um, one of the characters on the Kensington runestone right. it's also found on a total of five Rune stones found in North America, all related to the Templars, but it's one of the mysterious uh, characters that the runologists said never existed in Sweden. Uh, Turns out it, it, it did. It did. And, and uh, but it's it's um, it's being used for the A sound, and it's not the standard rune for the A sound, and so that was part of the problem. But clearly, 
it's used 22 times in the in the Kensington inscription, and so it's easy to figure out what it's being used for. Mm-hmm. But they've never seen it before. But in fact, it's one of those coded characters that has multiple meanings to it, and uh, it's just a fascinating character. And it looks like an X with a hook in the upper right mm-hmm. arm, and uh, that's why it's called the hook the X. X. Actually, a phrase that I've trademarked with with these two books. So, were you the one that that gave it the name Hooked X? I guess. I think so. Um, I it's something I always called. You know, when I was um, when I did that photo study, I saw you know twenty two of them as I was doing the inscription, and I right. started to call it. The, it's got that hook in the upper right arm, so I and it looked like an X, so I called it the Hooked X. Oh, there you go. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the best one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so, I want to spend the last uh, little bit of the show kind of uh, talking about a subject that's that's uh, kind of near and dear to my heart. And I've talked about this several times. I've done several uh, episodes on on this particular topic, and it's the uh, the lost colony of Roanoke. And right. Uh, we we had talked about it when when we talked last week. We we talked about it, and I kind of gave you you know why I'm I'm interested in it. But for I'm just going to kind of hit the highlight real quick in case there's some people who have never uh, listened to this show before, or maybe they never got to hear any of my uh, theories on the the lost colony. Everybody uh, learns about the um, lost colony of Roanoke in in their history class, at least. At, I know I did, and I hope they're still teaching it. Um, but uh, what uh, originally got me interested in this was um, I read a, a book called The Only Land I Know by a man named Adolf K. Dial, who just ha- so happened to be a uh, Lumbee Indian. And the Lumbee Indian is the largest uh, federally unrecognized tribe in the United States. There are They are in... Uh, they're east of the, the Mississippi. They're in North Carolina in uh, Robeson County. And uh, there's been some theories that the Lumbee Indians are the descendants of the lost colony of Roanoke. And the argument can be made for this because a lot of the last names of the Lumbee Indians are the exact last names of the colonists. Um, the Lumbee Indians don't necessarily look like your typical Native Americans. They don't act like your typical Native Americans. They have, they do not have their own language. Uh, they don't have a lot of the uh, uh, background that Native Americans have as far as uh, they don't make pottery, they don't make jewelry, they don't make blankets. Um, they, they are religious they're very Christian. They're deep rooted in their religious beliefs. Uh, there's there's just so many things that uh, are atypical about a Native American culture, um, and the 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 most compelling evidence is that um, they have oral uh, histories that state, you know, that they uh, their ancestors intermingled with some white colonists. And um, I've done several shows about the the Lumbee Indians being the descendants of the lost colony, and uh, how all this relates to Scott Walter is 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 that um, 
He did a show on this season of America Unearthed about the lost colony of, of Roanoke, and um, he uh, come to, came to some interesting conclusions himself. And uh, Scott, I know you said uh, when we talked last week that you'd never heard of the Lumbee Indians and had never heard of that connection. Um, I was uh, I, I was a little disappointed that you didn't have anything about that uh, on the show. But if you've never heard of it, then I can't I can't hold you responsible. <laughs> uh, well, um, actually, uh, as, as you might recall, we talked a little bit too about some of the research that. Well, let me back up and just say first of all, I I did I knew virtually nothing about the, the lost colony other than there was an early uh, attempt at colonization that, you know, disappeared. And yeah, didn't go somewhere. Nobody again. knew where they went. And, right. And to be honest with you, I never really, never thought about it again. Um, and so when they wanted to do this particular episode, I have to be honest and tell you that I wasn't all that wild about it. I thought, well, yeah. this isn't pre-Columbian and, you know, this, this isn't that interesting. God, was I wrong? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it turned out to be really fascinating. And when I went to, uh, uh, I forget the name of the college now, but when we went and looked at the Dare Stone, mm-hmm. I was blown away. I, I was just floored. I looked at 30 stones, and what I was impressed with was the varying geology, <clears throat> uh, the consistency of the carvings, the variation in the weathering that was consistent with the various rock types. Some rocks um, were not as uh, as stout and resistant to weathering as others. And, you know, it it seemed to fit very nicely with uh, the rock types and the supposed age and and the variability of the rock type. It it was just, it was amazing to me. And I'd never never heard about these things. And, And all I could think about was, God, this is like the greatest archaeopetrography research project I could possibly imagine. You know, yeah. multiple rock types, different environments spread out over a long uh, period of time. And, and the, the it, it just was beautiful. And I only had a little bit of time to, to do my work. but And I think I said on the program that I really like what I see. I can't draw mm-hmm. a final conclusion, but man, I, I like what I see. And so we, we, we took an angle on the show that we investigated, and I thought it, it, it played out very well. But one of the things I was disappointed in, and not because we should have done it, we just couldn't do it, was talk about what did some of those inscriptions say? What yeah. happened to Eleanor Dare that we know based on the messages? Mm-hmm. What route did she take? What interaction did she have with the natives? Because you can glean some of that information. Yeah. And... One of the tribes that I looked at was the uh, was the Cherokee, mm-hmm. and you know maybe that's one of the tribes that interacted with them. I don't know, but um, I, I think there's there's uh, there's another episode there. Quite frankly, yeah. Uh, look into the Tuscarora Indians as well. Um, if you if you happen to go back and uh, and do another episode on that, uh, just keep the Lumbies in mind. Uh, uh, you know. Hey, Scott. Oh, no, I think I just lost Scott Walter, everybody. Oh, all right. Hang on just a second. I'm going to let you listen to a little bit of music here as I try to uh, get Scott Walter back on the show. Here, let's see. Uh, I will play. How about a commercial? Let's take a commercial break while I try to get Scott back on the show. 
You are listening to Parareality Radio, your information source for all things paranormal. New episodes available the first Monday of every month. Turn on, tune in, and find out. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. Well, everybody having a little bit of trouble getting Scott Walter back on the phone. We'll see what we can find out here. And just uh, I'll let you listen to just a little bit of uh, let's let's replay Eye of the Tiger here again for you. All right. Sorry about all the uh, the uh, technical difficulties. everybody i got scott back on the phone that's i told him we don't know what the heck happened but that's the dangers of doing live shows you hear me all right now right scott oh uh, yeah i can hear you i don't know what happened but uh, neither do i my fault uh, well who, who knows we'll just uh it wh whoever they are they're still working against us let's just say that <laughs> so um we were before we got cut off we were talking about uh the 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 Native American connection there. So, like I said, if if you happen to do another uh, episode on the Lost Colony or the or the Dare Stones or whatever, and you know, just if if the the Lumbee or the Native American connection happens to come up, just uh, keep our our conversation in mind there and see, oh, see where it goes. I yeah. Definitely will. I, I really hope we do because there is a lot of work that we can do on those stones. I believe to. Uh, to try to figure it out. What I'd love, <clears throat> excuse me, what I'd love to do is to retrace what we think is the route that the uh, the colonists took, or Eleanor Dare took, going yeah. to the southwest, eventually ending up in the, the northern Georgia area. I think that would be a great episode to uh, and read some of those messages and and try to uh, you know figure out what it was like for her. I mean, it's just a gut wrenching story, and it's yeah. It's a, made-for-TV movie, I'll tell you that. Yeah, most certainly, yeah. I, I really uh, was thinking uh, as as um, that episode was coming to, coming to a close, because, you know, it's an hour episode, and I was like, there's got to be a part two to this, you know. Uh, so I was I was kind of sitting on the edge of my seat, like, you know, what's what's going to be the the previews for the for the part two of this and there was none i was like oh no <laughs> it, it left me hanging so you <clears throat> yeah you got to do you it know, the other thing is is that this is the first time for any of us doing a show like this yeah and um you know it's a, it, it's been a work in progress and 
I mean, all things considered, I think it was it was pretty good. Yeah. But you know, we're we're learning and we're going to get better, and I think the shows are going to get better. I mean, I've never done television like this before, yeah. so I was a rookie too, and I certainly learned a lot, and um, everybody did. So I, I think, you know, we'll um, it'll get better as we go along, and we'll be able to uh, to tell good stories. And like, I, I hope we can go back and visit that one at some point. Well. Uh, I I do too. Uh, let you got my email address. Email me whenever you start uh, thinking about doing that one because I I want to know. Okay, <laughs> Inquiry right. well, know. I remember. I know you have a, a vested interest. <laughs> I do. Off. I do. Um, yep. But before we uh, get ready to wind things down, we only got just a little bit. We're we're gonna go over time since we had that little uh, hiccup there. I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna give everybody the full show time here. But uh, can you tell us? Um, Give us a little preview at all about season two, about anything that's that's coming up, anything interesting, or or I know you can only well, say so much. Um, I'm just trying to think here what I what I could say. I really don't want to tip, tip my yeah. head too much, but um, we're definitely going to. Well, one of the things I know that we are going to do is, you know, we ask people to call into the show with tips and. Right things that they would like us that they think we should investigate so we're definitely going to be investigating things that you know some of the stories for sure are going to be mm -hmm. things that were tips that people you know called in about and some of them are great some of them are things they didn't know anything about and so that'll be fun but i can also tell you that there's going to be more in a similar vein we are going to look into the templars again Okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna continue on that road because they were one of the last ones that were here, mm -hmm. and they had a profound impact on Native America. Yep. And so I think uh, we're we're gonna get uh, more perspective on these questions from Native Americans. I think that's something that's been overlooked. Um, you know, archaeologists have certainly spent a lot of time trying to understand these ancient cultures. Yeah. But. Um, we're going to get a different take. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Okay. All right. I'll look forward to that. Uh, I had uh, one last uh, comment from a listener. Uh, Chris has already asked a couple of questions. Just not a question, but a comment. She says that uh, she thinks you're doing great on TV and you make geology look cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, geology is cool. It is. <laughs> I mean, um, How could it not be? No, it's it's. Um, well, I first of all, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, and and um, I, I really, I'm having fun. I mean, I really am having fun with these people. I can There's tell. There's only been a couple of times where things got a little testy, but you know, I guess you have to respond the way you feel is appropriate in in a given situation, but. Um, no, we're having a good time. Geology is, is a fascinating subject, and I I think the more people learn about it, the more interesting they'll find it. But, I mean, come on. The, the world is a rock, right? The whole Earth is one yep. big rock. One huge rock. And so when people stop and think about it, um, you know, rocks have so much impact on our lives, we just don't even realize it. You know, mm -hmm. the fuel for our cars, the metal to make our cars is basically comes from the Earth. Our food comes from the earth. Um, you know, the, the, the rocks are, uh, the build the structures we build. Concrete is, is a man-made rock. We, 
it's, I mean, every aspect of our lives, we're touched by it. And so and we don't even realize it. Yeah. So, you're darn right, it's cool. And it, of course. It, it, and who knew? But except you, you knew. Geology is cool. <laughs> I'm always learning new stuff. I sure don't have all the answers, that's for sure. But it's it's just a lot of fun. Hey, you you said that you were taking tips on your show. I got a tip for you. Okay. Okay. Um, you probably never heard of this, and and actually neither neither did I. Uh, it, I always try to look up interesting facts and stuff about about my guests when they come on the show, and and looking up information and stuff on you. I just kind of ran across this by accident. Uh, this little article that I found that was from uh, a magazine called Science Frontiers. It's issue number six, published in February of 1979. Uh, it says, Inscribed Stone from Tennessee Necropolis. And this is everything that I can find out summed up into this little bitty blip right here. Everything that I've looked at all says the same thing, and it's this. Uh, there's a stone that was found in the early 1890s in an extensive cemetery near Nashville, Tennessee. The stone's back was hollowed out like a cup stone, while its front was inscribed with symbols. And there's a, a, a man by the name of Barry Fell. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oh, I know Barry. Yeah. I know of Barry Fell okay. quite well. Uh, well, he considers the symbols to be Libyan, pre-100 A.D., and he has translated the symbols, and it says, and I quote, the colonist pledge to redeem. Mm. And that's everything that I can find out. I, I I don't know what they call the name of this stone. I don't know. It, everything that I have been able to find out online says exactly the same thing. It's all quoting from this Science uh, uh, Frontiers magazine. And they, they, they do have a, a hand-drawn picture of it that's not very good. Um, but I can't find I I tried doing picture searches and everything, and I can't. Uh, that's everything. So... There's well, a tip if you for you. Don't mind sending a link to that, whatever you have. I'd I'd be interested. It may be sure. something I could look up in one of Barry Fell's books. I've got a couple of his books, so okay. <clears throat> if I just had something to go on, I could I might be able to find more. Okay, I will send you Barry that Fell link. Barry did the work. Yeah. Yeah. America D.C. is one of his books, and okay. that's that's one of the classic works. And yeah, um, I think I I, I look I, I, research. I did a, a a search on his name, and I, that the name of that book right there was one that I think I remember seeing that he had written. He's written several, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's written a number of books, but that America BC was really the classic work on diffusion research, and and he was a Harvard professor, and I'm sure that he took a lot of grief from his colleagues, and you know he was he was one of those guys that wasn't afraid of controversy, and I give him a lot of credit now. On the other hand, I've also seen some places where I think he was a little bit flippant with his opinion. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for being one of the real pioneers in this area and, and doing some fantastic work. But, you know, um, he's, his name is, is very well known. All right. Well, I'd never heard of, 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 uh, of him before, but uh, 
I'll have to look up some of his stuff. If uh, apparently he is uh, a pretty uh, well-respected uh, guy in his field, from what I can definitely, yeah, definitely. from what I can. Yep. Is is he still around, Scott? Is he? No, no, he's been okay. dead. Uh, boy, I I think he's been dead at least ten years. So he's, okay. he's been gone a little while. Okay, so well, I guess we can't call him up then and ask him about it. <laughs> kind of hard to do. No, I don't think so. But what? I know his son. I think his son's name is Julian Fell. Okay. And uh, I've you know I think I've emailed with with him once or twice over the years, but I think Julian might be somebody you may want to talk to. Him. This is. All right. Uh, Julian, let me write that name down. Of course, I don't have a pen. There we go. Okay. Let me write this down. Julian Fell. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's right. I think that's right. All right. Well, Scott, we're winding things down. And I, I man, I had really enjoyed talking to you. I, I could do another two hours, but uh, I don't want to keep you up all night. I, I, mean, I yeah. got to get to work tomorrow. Yeah, I know you got, I know you have things you, that you have to do, but I really, really appreciate you. Uh, agreeing to appear on my little internet talk show and it, it really meant a lot to me and I really have had a good time and I would love to get you back on maybe after you finish season two maybe we can have you back on sure sure that'd be fun that love would to do it all right I, I certainly appreciate it and it before you uh before we let you go I always ask this uh, of, of all of my my guests um, if anybody out there uh, has a, a lead, that they want you to follow up on or something they think you may be interested in, if they have something that uh, they want you to look at, how can they get in touch with you? What is the best way for them to submit their... Well, I would, I've had so many people email me at work. I, get, um, uh, I guess I'd probably have them contact... Um, um, probably the if they go online, they can find the website for America on Earth, the tip line. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be on there. I think that's probably probably the best is to do it that way. Okay. All right. So go to uh, just do a Google search, everybody, for America Unearthed, and they do have a tip line, and you can yep. uh, send your tip or your questions in to Scott Walter via the tip line on America Unearthed on the History Channel. Actually, History well, Two. Go to my website too. I think we might have. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm going to have to post that there. And so that is, they can check the website, they might be able to find something there too. Okay, and that is www.hookedx.com. That's H O O K E D X.com. Yep. And uh, I'll, have, I'll have to check your website out too, Scott. I didn't, I don't think I've checked that. I may have, I don't know. I've, I've looked at so many websites that, that, in, that uh, have to do <laughs> with America Unearthed and you and everything, I, they all started to run together. There after a little while. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's it, everybody. We're going to wrap it up. I'm going to let Scott go, and I got a couple of things I'm going to wrap up after this. And uh, everybody, this is Scott Walter from America Unearthed. And one of the things that I'm a big, uh, even though I may not be able to pronounce a lot of things correctly because of my, I guess, my southern accent, but I'm really big on pronouncing people's names. And I know you get this all the time. And it's not Walter. It's Walter, W-O-L-T-E-R. W-O-L-T-E-R. Right. Think of like a sheep's wool. Right. Walter. Walter. Yeah, right. So it's not Walter. So for those okay. of you who think it's Scott Walter, and I may have said it a couple of times uh, unintentionally. Okay. No, I don't, but... get, I don't lose people over that. <laughs> 
Uh, my life has been uh, Walter, Walters, <laughs> Walters. No, it's Walter. <laughs> Walter Scott Walter from America Unearthed on History Two. And when's the when's the new season gonna gonna air? Do you do you have an air date I'm not yet? Sure. I, I okay. had, I, I had heard some talk about maybe around Thanksgiving or okay. Christmas holiday. I you know I, I I'm not sure, but I would say sometime during the holiday season. And you're gonna start shooting uh pretty soon, right? A week from tomorrow. All right. Well, good luck with everything, Scott. And we'll we'll definitely keep in touch. And uh, if you ever get anywhere close to Nashville, Tennessee, please look I'll me let, up. I'll let you know. Yes, please look me up. And uh, should the show just get so big that you need a sidekick, keep me in mind. I may not know anything about geology, but I'm damn good at research. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Thanks a lot All for right. being on the well, show, Scott. For me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you being on the air, and uh, we'll keep in touch. All right. All right. Sounds great, John. All right. You have a good evening. All right. You too. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was Scott Walter from America Unearthed on History 2 channel. And, uh, man, you know... I really, really enjoy talking to him. He is a very easy person to talk to. Uh, the first time he and I talked, we uh, we talked for like, uh, well, basically for two hours uh, just talking. And uh, there are so many things that we touched on when we were we did our little pre-interview that we didn't get a chance to talk about tonight because there just wasn't time. So uh, I'm definitely, definitely going to get him back on again and uh we're gonna have uh have a follow-up to everything we've been talking about this evening well everybody man sorry about uh losing him there but it didn't take me long to get him back so uh that's what happens when you do live radio but uh my voice is shot hadn't done a two-hour show in a while so uh i'm going to uh let you guys go thank you for all the positive comments that i've had and for all the people who participated in, in sending questions. Hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. Let me know what you thought about it by sending me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Also, please remember to visit my website, which is, of course, www.parareality.com. You can find out all kinds of information about the show on my little website there. You can listen to the current and past episodes of the show. If you click on the uh, Extras tab, you can uh, join the official Parareality Radio Forum. It's free. And you can shop in the Parareality Radio Store and even watch some show videos and other stuff. And please don't forget to look me up on Facebook at Sandman.Parareality. You can hear the show there as well. And you can also find out more about what's going on in the world of Parareality. So look me up on Facebook. That's Sandman.Parareality. Everybody, my next show is going to be available on Monday, May the 6th, 2000. 13. I'm going to be taking a little uh, vacation here uh, later on in the week. So, um, you know, usually on the second Monday of the month, I post a, uh, an, a repeat show for my live 365 days. So uh, I'll probably do that a little bit early and maybe post it on Wednesday or Thursday. So uh, check the website out early this week. Because uh, I'm going to be going, like I said, on vacation. I won't be back until after Monday. So if you'd like to listen to the old Alive 365 shows, just uh, check back on Wednesday evening, and I'll try to have one posted by then. Like I said, my next live show or my next new show 
is going to be on Monday, May 6, 2013. Everybody, that does it. I hope that this radio program opens your mind up to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way that you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening, and I will see you all again next month. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of uh, Bullet Boys, keeping with the rock theme. Uh, yeah, this is Hard as a Rock by Bullet Boys to take us out. Everybody, we will see you again.